0: Welcome to another episode of the Photographers Keeping It Real podcast. Round one of the 2024 award season has now closed. Thanks to everyone who entered. Good luck, and the winners will be announced very soon. I had a quick um, look through everyone who's entered, and it's uh, yeah, it's an amazing lineup. So um, yeah, I, uh, I look forward to seeing what the judges pick and getting the winners out. It's also the final day for early bird tickets to the Northern Exposure Conference the only wedding photography conference in the Northeast. Uh, It's featuring some PKIR favorites, such as York Place Studios and Chelsea Canar, as well as the Richters and many more. It's going to be a fantastic day of learning and networking. So yeah, go check out the links and uh, grab your ticket now. In this episode, I welcome the wonderful Matt Badenoch, one of the nicest guys I've ever spoken to and a big inspiration of mine since I started out in weddings. Matt has just launched his Street with Matt street photography workshops. Uh, I was lucky to go on one of Matt's workshops uh, at the end of last year, and it was so much fun. I learned a lot. Uh, I'll definitely highly recommend them. Head over to streetwithmat.com to see his upcoming workshops and trips and everything that's going on over there. We also talk about SEO, how Matt is still ranking despite hardly working on his website in years, how Matt went from four months of savings to a full-time wedding photographer, proposal shoots alongside weddings. Of course, we talk a lot about street photography, how it's helped matt with his wedding photography mental health and life we talk about matt's recent adhd diagnosis and his coping mechanisms without medication matt also provides some fantastic tips for anyone thinking of starting their own workshops and we discuss the photography community the importance of conferences and networking and just making friends in the industry in general so thanks matt so much for his time on this i really really enjoyed chatting to matt and uh, yeah let's get on with the show keeping it real Photographers keeping it real This is our podcast. We've never done this before. We practice just a little bit. So we apologize if it's a bad shit I don't so good. Oh yeah it real, we keep it real cause we like the way that it feels. So hey Matt, welcome to the podcast. Um, we are obviously going to talk a lot about travel and street photography and um, a bit about your wedding work and stuff, but I wanted to start the first time I think I ever saw your work and ever heard of you, probably maybe twenty, I do 2015, 16, 2014, maybe even something like that. So way back when, and I think, so I'd started my own wedding photography business. I think I was looking at where I was, yeah, I was going through the usual checklist of like, oh, what do we need to do or whatever? And I think SEO obviously pops up. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I don't know, work on my own SEO and like, I'll get some inspiration. I think I thought, right, London's a tough market. So whoever's ranking for London wedding photographer, they're probably doing a decent job. So I think I literally Googled London wedding photographer and just had a look through all the websites on the top, you know, page, couple of pages, whatever. And yours was up there. I clicked on your website and I don't know if you remember this, but yes, yeah, so your homepage picture was like, I think it was, I don't know if it was the bride's legs or the groom's legs and the bride was or something, but there was um, a croquet photo, you know, the bride and groom was sort of playing that or whatever. And it was like through the legs and it was a very like you know interesting like composition and playful image and stuff and it stood out amongst all the other websites I'd looked at on those you know first couple of pages so then I was like oh okay who's this Matt or guy and, you know his work looks interesting so you were kind of I don't know you can obviously talk about when you started but way back you know even back then when I was first like didn't even really know about documentary or editorial any different styles I was just kind of having to dabble and you know looking at different people Your stood out as quite a good kind of a unique style if you will.
1: Oh wow. Um <laughs> 2014, 2015. That that takes me back. Um, oh, thanks so much, Scott. That's that's hell of a hell of a compliment. And yeah, I remember that photo. It was a really yeah, it was uh, the bride and groom just playing croquet during the drinks' reception. And I was thinking, how could I yeah, play with this image, try different things. So yeah, I thought why not shoot through the groom's legs, get down, lie on the floor and um yeah. Yeah, well, that was, um. oh, wow, man, I'm mean, you kind of throw me right at the beginning here.
0: like. <laughs> and I didn't tell you what I was going to start with, but I just... Uh, yeah, I know, and I, I haven't met you, but at least recently
1: you didn't tell me this story. That's like, yeah, oh, man, oh, that's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, like, but yeah, I loved it. And then, so obviously I had a good look through your site and stuff, and, the, yeah, the work, you know, obviously it looked very consistent, the style was great, and, and yeah, the, that documentary kind of approach stood out quite a lot, even though I didn't really know what that was at the time or... It took me a long time but obviously i shoot in that similar style now but i would, you know i didn't back then and it took me a long time till i got it but it always kind of stood out and um i think even like your orangey logo of your name and lots of things were kind of <laughs> i still remember now which is obviously i don't remember anyone else i don't think he was up there so um but yeah I, I had a quick look again today um i googled like london wedding photography and you're still pretty high up there for uh, for that so do you i mean do you like do a lot is seo a conscious thing for you is it just that you've kind of been around a while what what's the kind of secret there because it is a t- i mean it's a tough market, even more so now than probably in 2015, right, in terms of SEO. A lot more people are aware of it. Google's changed a lot, I guess. And London's still a very you know tough market, I suppose.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's um, I mean, I should give some context that I've been really bad on my marketing for the last like five years. I actually like I don't think I've touched my website. I've been really naughty. I haven't touched my website anything before the pandemic. Um And yeah, if you go and check my Instagram, actually, please do not check my wedding Instagram. <laughs> that also has not been updated since uh before the pandemic. Uh, but it's something that is actually I've carved out some time in January to update it. Like I know exactly what I want to do with it, what I want to bring up with it um, and just kind of bring it. But I mean, it's still been great that it's still been I've been, you know, booking myself for each year. So it's been great for that. Um, But I do need to, yeah, sort it out a little bit, especially for the year ahead. Uh, But yeah, to to your question about SEO, it was something that, like, when I, I've been doing this now for, I think it's, yeah, about 10 years now. And when I started, I kind of, was doing a corporate job uh, in London, and I kind of just quit and just thought, this is what I want to do. I hadn't even shot a full wedding yet. I'd just taken photos as a guest. Um, but I had the, the, the couple saying that for them to the actual photographers work. And so it made me think that maybe this is something I could do. And so, yeah, I quit my job and I thought, you know, I had four months worth of savings. I was I have four months to start making, you know, get some deposits in and i um, making some money from this. And so I was in a position that I had uh, very little like, um, money, but I had, I had a lot of time. And so I started looking into the different ways of marketing and I, you know, came across SEO search engine optimization And I just found it really interesting. And so I started learning about it, reading about it. And I think my mind just, yeah, just really appealed to to my mind and how my mind works. Um, But also what I realized is I kind of started to realize that it was like the old school way of doing it, which was just trying to like kind of trick Google. And that had very little sustainability in it because, you know, people at Google are smart. They're smarter than us. And whenever updates, those people then start getting penalized. But then I realized, you know, what is Google trying to achieve? And ultimately they get I think it's something like 85% of their revenue from the ads on on the use that come up on Google. Uh, You know, the rest, those, the rest of the percentage comes from, you know, like from the Android phones, apps, and other things, but most of it is from ad revenue on Google. And so, and ultimately people use Google rather than like Yahoo or Bing. I don't know if that's around, um, but like um, because it offers a better service, it gives you what you're looking for. And that's what Google's always been doing. And whenever you see them updating something better, track uh, speed of the website or the quality, or all these little things that annoy people. It's actually it's all about that user experience, even things like background uh, backlinks are like the equivalent to um you know, recommendations and why some rate better than others is because it's seen as a better authority, just like in real life. You know, when you get a recommendation, it depends on quality of it, depends on who it comes from. Does this person have authority? Do they have relevance in this area and know what they're talking about? And so I always, when I worked on SEO, I always did it aiming for those same goalposts. Like you you mentioned there, like Google's always changing, but it's always changing in the same direction and always has been. To create that better user experience and so as long as all the stuff you're doing with seo is looking to improve the user experience you're never going to be penalized for that and whenever there's updates if anything you're going to get rewarded more and more for it but the other the other important thing there is that you know when people were doing stuff and it was kind of trying to trick google it was also creating a worse user experience and it doesn't matter how good you are getting people to your website if it doesn't relate to people And they then don't book then it's kind of pointless and so the other way of doing like seo in that way was that you're also improving user experience on on your website as well and so then when people do come to you they're more likely to engage um, and then to book with you and so yeah yeah, it's something that has really done well for me i mean pretty much all my recommendations in the past have either come from uh, referrals from previous couples or venues i think venue building relationship venues is really important as well but a huge chunk um k- uh, came from from Google um SEO. And in the last couple of years it has been a tiny bit less because I really let it slip off. Um but it's yeah, it's something I'm planning to um I still I do still get bookings from it and it's something I've been working on in January to um yeah, kind of improve and enjoy that as well.
0: Yeah, mean, like lots of great tips in there for start. So that's what I found interesting, like say it's still ranking pretty well considering and the fact that you've barely touched it just shows like building those foundations and having that it's something you can kind of work on get like say you get even if you get into a good position if you then have a little bit of time off it where you're working on other things or you just get busy with weddings it's always still there in the background at least getting new work whereas even something like social I guess you stop posting on there it's quite quickly before you're kind of dropping off from people's radars because you're just not that content needs to be kind of fairly constantly refreshed isn't it whereas the website SEO is a pretty pretty solid foundation so yeah it's impressive that you're still ranking well when you haven't really touched it so um yeah
1: and exa- exactly what you just said. That I think it's always important for people to work with the the marketing that works well with how their brain works. And I realize, like, I like to get hyper focused. Like, I I just for context, a couple of years ago, about three years ago now, I got diagnosed with ADHD. Um, which has been amazing because it's just it's something I've always had, but just never really understood or knew I had it. And so just to be able to learn and better how my mind works has been amazing. From that, in this case, I realized I knew at this stage that like I was not good with social because I I, I like to go in and get hyper focusing and then move on and not get just constantly little bits and little bits and little bits and little bits. It, it drives me mad. So that was nice about CEO's. You go in and you, it, it it does take work. It is work, but you go in and kind of kind of put in that work in a focused, intensive period. And then you can get a step back and it takes a little time for it to start to get notice and better fits to come through. Then you can leave it, yeah, for what well, I mean I've found for years and it's still it's still like you're still getting those
0: returns. No, it's that's, that's really good advice. Uh it's definitely something like I've just never really put too much time and effort in bar, you know, when I sort of, you know, first did my website or I, you know, I go through like copy and stuff. I've kind of got a few little pointers from course I've done before where I think about what I'm writing and stuff, but yeah you know in general like it's never something I have put much time and effort in and that shows in my like if I look at my breakdown of where I get you know my leads from there's very it's not a lot from organic SEO you know or organic SEO rankings whatever type of stuff so yeah something it to sound uh, like you're doing pretty good with bookings so yeah I do, <laughs> so, yeah it's, it's all right <laughs> I mean it's slower next year as with most people I think but yeah in general it's it's okay and I think like I say I've just got other places I guess where it works for me which is good but um but yeah it'd be nice to have Nice to um do a bit more on that, I think.
1: I, I think I think it's I've heard a lot of people, um, you know, some people are doing great, but a lot of people are, are struggling next year more more than usual. I'm I'm, I'm down I'm booking as well. I, I'm also finding people are being a bit more spontaneous. So I'm kind of optimistic there'll be stuff coming through at the beginning of next year. But um, it was something me and um Karina and like my wife who's also um a wedding photographer, she's got her own wedding photographer business and it's something we were talking about kind of coming out of the pandemic of like we like talking about sometimes like like trends and demographics and how things are going to change and we kind of recognized that apart from that you know huge surge we had um you know we kind of went from nothing to everything after the pandemic where everything being so busy and catching up with weddings um which was amazing and and exhausting at the same time um but we kind of realized that we were kind of expecting like this year next year to be a bit quieter because we kind of saw that the, the pandemic, the lockdowns kind of fast tracked a lot of relationships. Uh, when the lockdowns came into place, a lot of people had the decision, you know, in the we've been dating for a couple of months, we can either break up or we move in together, which might naturally not happen happening for another year or so. And then when they did, and if that worked, it was then, well, you know, had all this time together, we've gone through this thing together, this kind of like shared trauma, and we're doing great. So hey, you know, let's let's get married now. And so I think you saw initially, like, kind of a Um, People who might more organically be getting married around now kind of got married earlier. And then also, it stopped a lot of people, the lockdown stopped a lot of people dating. And even when the lockdowns ended, a lot of people went into kind of, I just want to get out there now. I just want to travel. I just want to do things. I'm not looking to maybe settle down and, and build a relationship. And so I think those people as well are now going to be kind of created this like this spot now um and these are very general trends but i do see it as something that this we were kind of expecting this to be a quieter time but it also means that i really think that you know 2025 20, potentially a bit quiet but i think it's definitely going to pick up to how things used to be as well so it's just just getting through i think the
0: next year yeah that seems to be the trend doesn't it be interesting to see like say how it develops and um i always ask everyone because i speak to because i'm interested like saying their yeah and what they think and what they're seeing because it's kind of. You know you can get into your own thing and we've talked about with marketing we? where like say you just drop off social for a bit or you haven't blogged for a while or like you know some venues that recommend you maybe stop recommending you and, and stuff like that and suddenly it's just you you feel like it's just you versus what's the market and that kind of thing and it it's sort of interesting to to see most like I say most people are kind of a little bit down or you know are not quite where they were at the same time last year and so on so i do think it's like i say it's definitely an industry-wide thing um but yeah obviously it doesn't affect everyone as such but um i know you when we were speaking in leeds actually you said you're doing quite a lot of like proposal engagement e shoots like this month especially in london which i guess is obviously not an easy market but a fairly popular place for people to have kind of proposals and stuff and is that like do people find you on seo then if you're not posting on social much Is that like how are people finding you for those
1: yeah 100 so i created a while back actually it was after. I said we wouldn't get confidential. Um, it was after Brexit, mm-hmm. <laughs> after referendum, and again I was kind of thinking, okay, what's going to happen here? And already back then we saw the pound going down, and so I was thinking, okay, but that means that, uh, we're cheaper for other countries. People coming here, we're now cheaper, and so I do, I kind of done a couple of proposals in the past and retargeted. And normally it's American uh, tourists visiting, so in America. They have a much different relationship with photography. They spend a huge amount more money in photography. They, you know, they spend it from, you know, children, family photography, sports day photography, senior photography, um, and then obviously wedding photography. And so they they used to spend a lot more money on it. And so I decided I created a page uh, with the goal of targeting with SEO. Um, yeah, for Pose of Photographer London. And um, again, that's I think that ranks number one or around there so I've always had it and uh, what I normally didn't do because I do prefer weddings and so if I was having a good year I wouldn't do them but it was kind of a tap I could turn on if I needed it and so this year uh setting up the new street photography for business um I took a quite a lot of time out of weddings and so which is my main money earner and so I was a little lower and so I did this this uh to kind of take them but I've taken yeah like I think this December something like 12 or 15 proposals um but it's it's a great way to just kind of like you know when i need it there and um yeah and americans like spending money on photography so yeah why not
0: yeah it's funny that they're like say they just i guess they're just more used to it because it's like a more of a, a classic spend for them isn't it we're just expected that you'll have professional photos for you know holiday cards and like say in senior portraits and all that and we just don't really you know, I think at our prom there might have been a photographer there who would do the, you know, classic you walk in with your date and like have a photo in front of a background, you know, that kind of thing. But not not really like on your own portrait setting you know, us a, a proper session, whereas seniors photography is a massive thing over there, right? Which we just don't do. We don't really have com- it's not common to have family photo shoots quite the same way as it is for the Americans. Like we wouldn't do it every year. A lot of a lot of families at least don't. Um, so yeah, they 100%. just they just seem like they're just more yeah, just way more accustomed to it and it's not seen as maybe as much of a weird thing to do. I don't know what it is. If we just don't like it as much being British or something, it's just, but yeah, we just don't like to spend on photography in the same way, do we? So it kind of makes sense that they would do that. I guess if we go on holiday to like, I know France and Paris and propose or, you know, go on a, you know, this really nice holiday and you propose, don't it's quite a classic thing like Rome or somewhere. So I suppose it kind of makes a lot of sense. People would come to London and then would propose and want that photographing. It's quite a good... I don't know, it's, it's probably a good little learner for like a thing where you can have, like say you turn it on, you can do a few, they're quite, I guess they're quite last minute as well. So you're not having to worry about booking them up two years in advance and then you've got that date blocked out. It's like actually you can do them a little bit more spontaneously, I guess.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Most bookings come in, uh, the really organized ones might be like six weeks, but I even have ones, I've had a couple of booking in a week before, um and everything in between so it's um but yes yeah, so there's great money only put on is I've always trying to understand where it comes from in America versus here um I think because they I don't know where it started uh but I think because they do to so have it and everything from as a kid growing up that then their kids uh, see the same value in it and there's also almost an expectation though because I have a lot saying um oh yeah my uh uh, yeah, my partner said, when you propose, just make sure there's a photographer, make sure there's lots of photos and videos. So it's it's kind of, there's much more exception where here, that's not the exception at all. Um, so I get a few from the UK, but it's 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 90%, even higher, 95%. Uh, yeah, US US couples, or even couples from Asia, Singapore, that that can of as well, but still mostly American.
0: Yeah, and I guess they probably have slightly bigger budgets, I suppose, as well. So maybe if, I mean, I don't know what you charge, obviously, but... I guess if you're, you know, a, a UK couple or whatever, British couple might not pe- want to pay the same as an American couple will, and therefore they might be like, if you're pricing for your American couples, I guess the British couple might be that's too much. And not do it as much i guess whereas but obviously it works out well to have those you got more of them that are paying more anyway so it kind of makes sense you don't want to be in london every day doing it for like a couple hundred quid i guess so
1: yeah i i mean i if you were to go look at my proposal shooting price you'll be quite maybe surprised how it is it's now a lot more than i've charged for weddings but it was just because i was getting too many that i could take so i just put the pricing up and they kept inquiring and i put the pricing up again and they kept inquiring and yeah, and that's always my advice to people. If you don't want to do much of something, um, don't take it off your website. Just knock the price up, and if people are still willing to pay for it, then and you're willing to do it at that price, then fantastic.
0: That's really good. Like it's a nice, yeah, good thing. Especially like I don't know, is December generally a busy month for it. People travel sort of for because it's you know Christmasy and does that seem like quite high? Is it just because you're quieter, I guess, with the weddings in winter, so you take more proposal shoots on?
1: No, it's it's also uh, much busier. So yeah, the six the six weeks leading up to Christmas are the most popular by far i get a few in the summer uh, a few early Jan, but most most are this period but yeah as you said that works really well with the wedding season so if, uh, yeah so it works out nicely
0: yeah amazing look you mentioned street with matt and your street photography kind of workshops and stuff so let's segue onto that a little bit so your where does that history of street? if you like i assume you didn't just think oh i'm just going to teach street photography now and that's that so like where's that interest in street photography come from where's the kind of when did you just start Sort of traveling and shooting and then build from there
1: yeah yeah it's been actually a long time in the making this initially i was actually planning to launch in 2020 but then that pandemic thing happened and uh i mean you know we were crazy busy weddings and everything so yeah it got pushed back a bit i mean it was actually street photography was actually my intro into photography even though way back then i had no i never heard of street photography so i didn't know that's what i was doing. I um, I'd actually left. Uh, I was just left university. I would studied economics at University of Bath. So um, yeah, putting that to good use today. <laughs> and I would um, uh, I had a job lined up in this city in a consultancy. Um, but I decided now I'm not quite ready for that yet. So I just kind of picked a country at random and I moved out to Freetown, Sierra Leone in West Africa. Uh, for about seven, eight months and I got a job. Uh, I didn't have one when I flew out, but I flew out and then I just knocked on doors and I got a job uh, with an NGO charity that are actually mapping health uh, care clinics in, in the south of the country. But while I just before I went out there, I bought my first camera, my first DSLR camera, which is something I've been putting off for quite a while. Because, uh, you know, whenever I went to the airport duty-free, I was like, okay, so this is my I can afford this. And they're like, okay, well, that's just the body. You also need a lens and the batteries and then the case. And it always seemed to add up. And um, But yeah, I just put my first camera. And when I was out there, or when people heard, people back in the UK heard I'd gone out to Sierra Leone, they are like, oh, is it safe? Are you okay? And, you know, previously, uh, about 10 years before I arrived, they had had this you know, really horrible civil war. But that was 10 years ago, and it was perfectly safe. It was just this, um, you know, there's a lot of challenges in the country, but it was an you know, amazing place to be, to visit. The people were amazing. It was a really beautiful country as well. And like Freetown, the capital is right down on the beach, on the coast. And... I wanted to, and I was a bit frustrated with how people were seeing it versus what I was seeing. And so I kind of wanted to change that perception. I said, hey, I've got this camera thing and maybe I could do some of that. So I just started going out, walking the streets, taking photos, and very quickly fell in love with the camera's ability to capture people, characters, energy, atmosphere, and giving you a sense of what it was to be there. Um, and also how you know, how it sees light differently and how you can play with that. And I just really, just got really into it I watched YouTube videos going out and then just practicing loads and even like a friend of mine was a journalist and I started going along with him with some of his stories and uh, ended up getting some of my photos uh, um, in the BBC um, which was then he gave me some money and I was like wait people pay you to take photos that's the thing uh you know they didn't tell me that at school and then um yeah that kind of took me and then when I came back I had a couple years uh with this consultancy company in London and I built up my wedding photography business because I was like you know how can I use photography potentially make a, a living out of and I was kind of determined that I wanted to do it in a way that I would really enjoy it and so I you know branded myself in the beginning as documentary you know happy to do some push for but this is this is what you, you're hiring me for this is what it's going to be my expertise and yeah I quit, quit my job and had a year um a year to make it work and yeah it worked it went really well and uh Yeah, loving it. But it was street that was my entry point into that. That's how I kind of started. And then later, I then learned what street was. And so I started a bit more consciously going out shooting. I um, even organized um, some uh, photography trips. So if you know, uh, Anna Puma, a really cool uh, wedding photographer based down in Brighton. Mm -hmm. And like, we just get some photography friends and just go along and go to this place. We went to India, uh, went to um, Columbia. And just, yeah, these really cool trips. And so it was really became more and more of a passion. Um, I also saw the huge benefits it was bringing to my wedding work as well, which is amazing. And then it was kind of I started thinking, like, I, I want to do this more. I want to do it. And I want to do it more formally. And that's where I started thinking about. Um, and that's probably five years ago that I started thinking about maybe in the future doing something with, uh, with workshops uh, and, you know, maybe some overseas trips. And then, yeah, over the last five years, just been kind of like, working on that ironing it down and you know thinking the experiences i really enjoy like uh, creating experiences and a long time enjoyed education and so it's kind of a way of bringing those yeah those passions together
0: yeah so i came on one in leeds recently yeah it was for me yeah it was very wet but it was it was really good and the the thing for me i think was like i've always kind of had an interest in street talking obviously the more i speak to people like uh you know dom and liam from york place and dan morris and people who were quite vocal about their street photography as well and obviously who you know showcased that so i was aware that they you know did a lot of street photography and you and utilize that in their wedding work and obviously yourself so you know i was looking at it I was thinking i want to do more street and whether it's like a confidence thing or just a general like i didn't just want to sort of go out and wander around the high street with my camera and and sort of probably not get much and and that was that you know i thought this is like a good way of me having someone who knows what they're doing and obviously having those structure we'll talk a bit about that in a second but having that structure and then going out having a bit of a purpose getting something and and then now i feel more confident that i could go out and you know i could utilize a couple of those lessons and and maybe get something myself keep practicing on it and then kind of hone my own style from there i guess and and find probably things that i enjoy and, and push more towards those but just having that a few pointers basically to do was like it was the reason i kind of said right yeah i'll come on this and and You know, and and see what it's all about, and it's just even just hearing like you do a little lesson on like your morals, obviously, on the street and the law versus morals and things like that as well. And I guess that's specific for each country you go to as well. And so yeah, that that's really helpful because then it just gives you a bit of an idea of like what you do and how you deal with confrontations i think that's a lot of a lot of people i I see a lot of photographers speak to about like oh i don't want to just take people's picture on the street because they're going to be really like unsure about what i'm doing i'm going to end up getting punched or something and all that kind of stuff so it was interesting to get your you know say again your experience and take on that so um yeah i just found it really really useful especially like for anyone who's considering street photography i guess or just want would like to get into it but maybe just need that bit of guidance to start with
1: that's that's fantastic to hear and um yeah i what you just touched on there, the fear of shooting in the street is is one of the most common barriers. And there's also, yeah, you mentioned like talking about morals, and that's thing that's always been important to me. And it's actually one of the driving forces as well in me wanting to set this up, is that I kept like there's 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 fantastic street talks out there, and a lot of them that work like really well, really ethically. But I also like kept hearing about people who would like basically taught that you either had to be aggressive, or very sneaky and, and completely hide what you're doing to do street those are the two options and so then a lot of people think well I don't want to be the one of those things So streets not for me and mm-hmm. I've been doing you know street for 10 years I've never had a problem and I don't do either of those two things and so it's kind of a way to show people that there is another way you can do it I mean I even remember I was I think it was with you or one of the other attendees I was talking to on the side of the road and this guy came over and it turned out, and I not met him before, he not met me, and we didn't know, but he actually we were this was the day before the Nine Dots gathering up in Italy, and it turned out he was one of the attendees there. We didn't know this at the time, and I'm not going to name him, he knows who he is, mm-hmm. but he came over, and he said, "Are oh, you doing some sneaky street photography, and I was like, yeah, no, but no, it's not, no, <laughs> it's not, and like, you know, we're right there in the middle of the street, like, but it, but it is, it's this idea that and it's kind of sadly a lot of people have kind of in it spread it this is what it needs to be um and and uh, that's you know really shame that and so that was one of the things I wanted to change and that's why you know I talk about how important it is you know your your approach to it is and you know that balance of being discreet but not necessarily hiding what you do um and you know actually there was that really good example with you and the two your two builder friends um and I always I wish I'd been recording this but like uh but yeah you know we go on and then there's this uh, we're doing like a like a mini assignment with color matching um which is a great way to start honing your eye into like picking up and noticing certain things in the street which can be quite overwhelming when you're trying to look at everything at once um and there's this cool orange patch and these two builders came out of this construction site uh, I think they're having a cigarette break or something and then they were in these hybrids orange which match really the orange around um, and then, so yeah, you went straight in there, started shooting, it's fantastic. Um, and I was standing just a few meters away, just kind of watching it. And then, you know, they noticed you, but I didn't think you'd noticed that they noticed you. Uh, and then when you did, you kind of like, I, and I know, like, you know, you were dealing with um, feeling company and, uh, you know, being in people's proximity, which is, is so normal. So you kind of like just moved away quickly. And I've been watching them and up to this point, they were kind of curious and like kind of smiling at each other. Oh, what's going on here? Like, and then when you quickly moved away, there's something like, oh, wait, is, was he doing something wrong? Is that? And then one looked up at me, and I was smiling him. He smiled back. Then looked really confused, like, "Wait, what's going on here?" <laughs> so then I went over to him, and then you came back over, and you know, we said hi. I said, oh, by the way, you might be curious, what's going on, we're we'll just doing sleep. And then they were, you know, really laughing and jolly with us and everything. But it's it's such a good example, I think, of of what happens is when people notice people in the photo taking photos maybe of them. The initial reaction is is kind of neutral and maybe curiosity, but then based on your reaction. Action. Like if you look up a smile, they're like, um, oh, cool, you know, you know, this, that's all right. Whereas if you suddenly try and hide what you're doing and move away, suddenly they think, Oh, wait, why is he hiding? Is there something I should be worried about here? Is he doing something wrong? And it, yeah, I just think it's such a good example of of my experiences and when I've heard other people who have a lot of issues, how they work differently. Um, but it was, yeah, it was so much fun having you on there. And like, and it was makes you said the fear. Factor is so big, and you know that's something we address and and come up with. Like you know, I share some theory on that, and we put it into practice. But it was really cool. Like you went so far from like the beginning of the day to later, and that confidence and getting close. Like yeah, man, it was fantastic, fantastic to see.
0: Yeah, it was so interesting that because like I say my natural thing was a bit like I've kind of shot that scene now. I'm going to like move away, and I wasn't yeah overly looking at the faces. I was trying to frame it with, like, the orange, like, say, surround and their orange vest, so I didn't really even have their heads in it, I don't think, or I wasn't really focusing on that. And the So, yeah, I hadn't really seen his the expressions or how they were kind of concerned. I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, there's the colours, I'll shoot that. And I got quite close, I think. And then, But, yeah, it was interesting. My natural thing was like, right, I think I've done enough here. I'm going to, like, move away. I think, yeah, maybe they've, like, they've obviously noticed me and so on, and I'll just get out of the way and actually now i would probably just go like say if that happened again i could be like oh look hey mate i'm just this is what i'm doing and they were absolutely fine about it so that was like really useful and so yeah just the color matching thing was great because i think if i go out and i will go out again when it's not um horrendously raining or as soon as my editing pile is done (laughs) um i want to get out again do some stuff around here and um yeah the color matching stuff was really interesting because that's probably a good starting point i was like you know pretty straightforward i can just pick a few bits and pieces and you know find those colors that match and that works kind of really well so um yeah, it's quite a nice easy almost thing to start with. So yeah. Gonna um, gonna work on that a little bit. But you've got a few courses coming up. So you've got some stuff in London which I think's sold out now, but I no doubt there'll be other London stuff coming up, I guess, at some point. You've got so next year you've got Vietnam, Barcelona. There's a day in Greece before the Fearless and Masters Conference, right? It's similar to the nine dots thing, I guess, if people are there and, and want to f- do a street day before that. Um, I'm very jealous of anyone going on the Vietnam ones. I think there's only one space left or something there, but still yeah still a space so um yeah I think that's going to be incredible but I guess this is just something that's now you're going to be adding more dates something that's really becoming quite a big thing I guess for you over the next sort of year or two
1: yeah definitely it's it's something I mean it's it's something I'm going to hope to just kind of grow um uh, yeah as the years go by I've I've had a few people ask me like is this to replace weddings and in the long term uh probably yes but it's I'm in no rush to do that I still love love doing weddings really enjoying it but I'm also aware that in 10 20 years maybe yeah maybe I want to be looking something new but mainly in the moment it's more a passion project but yeah I'm hoping to keep growing um as you said like the one day ones uh, in London that's all sold out now for beginning of next year but I will put some more on later on I'm um, looking at potentially doing one in Bristol um, and potentially down in Cornwall. uh, Maybe with Alan Law and then, uh, yeah, maybe another one up north. I I get, I work off like if anyone uh, is interested in doing the workshop, I say the best thing to do is because there's only five people in each workshop, I like to keep it really intimate. I think it helps the discussions with the theory, but also then we're out on the street, it allows me to do more one to one with people. But I have a newsletter like when email sign up, people can sign up for, and that's where I announce new workshops first. Uh, but equally, if people want me to come to their specific city, um, yeah, I just drop me an email and if, if I have a spreadsheet where I keep all this collected and if there's enough interest in one place, I'll make it happen. I think actually I've currently got, I think, three or four people requesting one in Amsterdam. So there might be one in, uh, yeah, in Amsterdam next year or two. Uh, but yes, yeah, what I've got on still is beginning of February, got uh, one a three-day workshop in Barcelona. I think there's yeah, two spaces left on that at the moment. Uh, so I think recording where we like mid December and yeah, that one really excited for, I had a similar one in Rome back in October, three days, one, and it's just, it's really nice to kind of take on, you know, what we did in the one day one up in Leeds and then put that, those skills you pick up into just these amazing, really fascinating locations and always, I'm always big. I think street is such a great way to experience the place. And so, but I'm also like, you know, so is food. So, I always do a lot of research, talk to people, local people to find out like, the best rest, you know, local restaurants and stuff so that you can really land a little hole in the walls and stuff that only the locals know about and make that part of the experience as well. So that you really leave not only with these amazing photos and new skills in street photography, but and also like a love a love for that place. And then, ah uh, yeah, and then Vietnam, which is a one-week one week uh, one. Also, if I place we've only got one of those left now, so only one spot on that left in uh, the begin- uh, beginning of March. And yeah, I, it's in Hanoi and it's just one of my favorite places in the world to shoot and just such a fascinating place. So yeah, really looking forward to the new year.
0: Yeah. Lots of exciting things there. So yeah, go and, I mean, I'll link obviously below anyway and stuff, but yeah, go and check out obviously a street with Matt Instagram and there's a website and stuff, all the dates and stuff on there, isn't there? And, and things like that. You can sign up. So yeah, I definitely recommend it. I think it was really, really interesting. And, you know, I guess whatever style you shoot at weddings, it's always, it's just something that's going to help eye opening kind of thinking about things like say the color matching and just all there's lots of little tips just even just from that one day that like say you can I can utilize in weddings or just more street work or just anything I mean there's a lot of people on that course when we did it the one day one that weren't obviously they weren't wedding photographers they just had an interest in street or an interest in photography in general and kind of wanting to do more of that I think the great thing with it is I suppose if you're trying to get into weddings say or into some other kind of photography it's obviously a bit harder than like shooting street in a way of like you can just go out and shoot street with a camera and that's it you don't need anything else obviously you haven't got to get wedding bookings or you haven't got to get anything like that so it's like a great way in the sort of down season I suppose as well to like if you want to just get out and shoot you know for me I think I'll definitely try and do some stuff like January February just to just get used to the camera again and being out and about and you know before weddings start just training getting my eye back in I suppose in a way of looking for things and that observation and stuff so um yeah I'm excited
1: yeah it's amazing like I I never went into street photography with the intention to improve my wedding work but uh, the the changes um, yeah have been fantastic I I think one of the biggest benefits for me from street photography my wedding work is just the play it's brought back for me like playing with my camera because I think about five years into my photography business and I spent quite a lot of people who have this kind of thing where you know you start out you're excited about photography it's a passion and then when it becomes a business it can slowly kind of start to take that away and it can you know feel more like a, tour, a chore and yeah you know i found out that i'd stop taking my camera out more And then, but when i started pushing more with my street photography it really brought that playback because when you're out on the streets playing you you know it's just complete creative freedom you're not doing those photos for anyone else you don't have any time pressures you can be out there you know wondering as much as you want no one else has, has to have to see those photos and it's just such a great way to just yeah, cr- just play with creativeness, uh, practice different techniques. I mean, I saw how I, I just you know, how I saw light compositions, moments anticipate what people are going to do. It just helps so much. And so now when I, and, and also how I could see things so much faster, like you talked about this in the workshop, but how, you know, when you practice and train your eye it starts to notice and see things much quicker. So even if I go into a wedding, and it's a really busy, hectic reception, I might only have, you know, you got to get, you know, the portraits and the uh, formals done. You got to get the details, you got any real time and you want to capture the reception and you know what people are doing and having fun. And But now I can just go and I stand there and I quickly look at okay, this light here, there's some shape there, there's a good background there. There's some people, those people look good, they're having fun. Uh, oh, I can shoot through these. And then I kind of like line up a and then just go shoot it. And I can shoot now in 10 minutes what would often take me 40 minutes to do in a drinks reception. So it's really good when things are really chaotic, which leads, me, I don't get anxious for weddings anymore. I'm like, I, I'm actually excited to go play with my camera. And yes, yeah, good when things get excited, uh, get like kind of hectic, but it's also good when things are the opposite, like really slow and potentially boring. If you've got like a long dream perception, the scene is boring, there's nothing going on. And actually using these like kind of techniques and start playing with these different little, th- little themes you can do, not only does it become fun, but you can create really interesting things in the most boring peering settings. And you know, you mentioned earlier, Dom and Liam, um, and their book is this something fantastic book highly recommend it to anyone, and they're such good like educators. I've I've seen the talk like three four times. I've I did a workshop with them up in Newcastle, um, which was amazing. And and their book it, it just is really really communicates well. But it's all about that. It's all about you know is there something is there like you know when you is there something there that you don't see and street photography really trains your eyes to see more so it's super useful for weddings um it's also just fun like i now when i go out i often don't watch stuff on my phone anymore if i'm on the bus i look out the window and you just see so much more things and things become so much more interesting like one of the beauties of street photography it's about capturing the extraordinary in the ordinary it's like one of the magical bits about it that when no one else sees anything you can see these really interesting things so it kind of just makes life in general more interesting. And as you mentioned, you know, there was a mix of people. Like I think, yeah, in the Leeds one, you might have been the only, I think, wedding photographer on it. The others mm-hmm. were just, you know, wedding uh like just hobbyists um and amateurs. And what's been really nice with this is it's, you know, while I have tapped into to weddings, uh, wedding community, because I think it's it's you know, I've got that community and I think it's street photographers is really useful uh for, for weddings. But it's it's definitely not the only you know I don't think street photography is just photography. I think it's interesting so many different people and what I really enjoyed is the mix of people I've had on these workshops from yeah like from all ages um I've actually think it's been uh, where mostly street photography stuff you see is mostly men and that's sadly a lot to do with how men have treated people and women in like different forums uh part of that view that you have to either be aggressive or sneaky um, but yeah, I think it's been like 60% women on my workshops so far and about a 50-50 split of wedding photographers or videographers or other kind of pro photographers versus just amateurs. And you know, you'll see by the end of the day, you know, we do that little critique at the end of the day and, and you're learning from everyone and you can't almost tell who the professionals are. Um, and then you, everyone kind of mix and you learn at something from different people's point of view. Like I just had one in uh, my last one of the year in London. And that was, uh, I think, mostly actually pro photographers, but we had one uh, who was just an amateur photographer, hadn't been it long. But she uh, really like one of the exercises we do is just is a little motion blur exercise, play with that, and she loved that. And in the and the next phase after, she started bringing that into more and more things. And so when we looked at the critique, she just took it so much further, and it was just fascinating. and I was learning from that, and so was everyone else so it's yeah it's just so nice i think it's you know having those that mix of people that you can kind of get these different perspectives and learn from as well um it's just yeah it's been a really really nice part of the workshops as well
0: yeah like my work definitely was not the best of a uh, of that group which uh i actually spoke to i'm trying to think um who I was speaking to about afterwards, but yeah, I was saying like, I was not down cause that's the wrong word cause I loved it obviously the day and it was like, and it, it like I say it definitely sparked me to want to do more street and, and, um, and yeah, explore that more. But I think I thought not, and again, not trying to be big headed of myself or anything, because like I say, you do an intro, and everyone was kind of quite, not all new to photography as such, but fair, like I say, they were all amateurs and all kind of no, no one was kind of professional. Shit. And I thought, well, I, you know, like, Day in, day out, almost. I'm thinking about composition, I'm thinking about moments, and even the way I shoot weddings. Like, it's not necessarily directly street photography as such, but you know, I'm thinking about those, like, say, the composition of moments stuff. I'm doing so much of that. I thought, I'm like, I might be okay at this. And the only thing that was really worrying me was, like, say, the fact that when I'm at a wedding, obviously, I'm there with a the camera, the couple are paying me. People expect it in this country, obviously, that you're going to have a photographer. So I never really have a confidence thing, whereas on the street, it's different. So that was the thing I thought I would struggle with. But the rest, I thought, ah, the composition stuff will be all right. Or the, you know, having clean backgrounds and all this kind of stuff that you talk about, which is really useful. Like, I I kind of have that in my mind at weddings, so it'll be fine. But I think because I was out of my comfort zone or whatever it was, like, it just didn't, like it didn't really click that way and when i'm looking at the critiques i was like actually might like there's some some good stuff in there from other people and i was like oh that's actually really good i didn't see that or even when we were chatting you know cuz like you say you you keep it a small group the five so you get plenty of time when you come around to each of us you are like okay what are you seeing now or what are you thinking about and so on which is really useful and then you'd be like look let's have a wander down here and this is i'll point out what i'm seeing so i was like oh yeah great that and there's like i'm trying to think of examples off the top of my head but like you know there's like oh there's this sign here with like you know a red cross with a trainer and a you know, chewing gum thing, like don't throw a chewing gum sign, or whatever, that's quite low down. And then, you're like, well, look, there's a guy with like red trainers on. So that's going to matter. I was like, I didn't even see that red, you know, the red trainers because I'm looking at so many different things and I'm not, you know, and things like that. You say you're training yourself and you kind of got that now. So yeah, it was really, really interesting. I think afterwards I was a bit like, ah, oh, like maybe I'm just not as good as I thought I was, maybe, or maybe like, I don't know, like I thought I'd be much better than I am. And so it was a weird little thing. And now I'm like over that. And I was like, actually, you know what? It's just a very different, you know, different skill in a way even though they're all very like transferable it's a different yeah, scenario I mean, and stuff so it was really interesting to now and now i'm like thinking about it more i'm like actually no it's, it's made me want to go and push myself more because i know i can do it um i just want to like yeah I want to prove i think to myself and uh and to you matt of course but uh that i can actually <laughs> that i'm actually better than uh i showed on that day but uh but it was really really interesting enough. but yeah they, got, you know got- You've got nothing to
1: prove. And actually, that what happened to you was very normal, as there's been a mix of wedding pros and non uh, and 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 just amateur and hobbyists. And it's very common, actually. This so at the end we do the critique, and you know, just for context, like the day of uh, the day is structure, We have some theory in the classroom, then we go out and shoot, and then we do a little critique. And normally when I mention the morning about the group critique, everyone looks terrified by the <laughs> idea of people's wars. It's like, ah um. But at the end of the day, after, this, and you know, you're referencing now. People say actually, this is the, the most. It kind of brings everything together, and it's kind of the most powerful education component of the day. And and part of that reason is you know how people see things differently. And I I learn from other people. I learn from people who just picked up their camera and how they see and those things differently. But what I think happens is with people like, you know, you're used to working in a wedding environment where, you know, you have a license to have a camera. So I think, you know, that fear thing is definitely a challenging thing to overcome and kind of change, um, which is one component. But even in the street, like things move, move a lot faster. than weddings you've got, the scenes are changing, people are changing, it's a different environment. And you kind of have to be like, I think sometimes when you know, learn something, and then I have to do something a bit differently, it can sometimes be a bit harder than just doing it like new for the first time. And I just think that happens and I've seen it happen with a lot of people as well. So like, yeah, I I don't think you're alone at all and you definitely don't have anything to prove. Like I remember I was looking through your like, yeah, your website and and uh, I mean, I thought I mentioned at the beginning when you talk about mine. But like, I think you've got such a strong brand and website and your work's fantastic, which meant even more when you threw me at the beginning of this, like, yeah, talking about mine.
0: Yeah, oh thank you. Yeah. But yeah, it was just it was just really interesting actually to um yeah, to go through that. So yeah, but yeah, the critique was really, really good and um yeah, it was it was uh it's just a fun experience. So, yeah, definitely recommend it for anyone who's um uh, got any vague interest, just photography in general, I guess. It's funny because I so I got my hair cut yesterday, which obviously it's completely irrelevant to anyone, but um I was early for my appointment. So good, I you uh, thank you. So I went to um it's like the most relaxing time of the, like, I go like twice a month and uh, have like a hot towel shave. And um, yeah, it's just so, um, it's a very relaxing moment of life for me. But yeah, the um, so the, but there's a Waterstones opposite. So I was early anyway, so I popped in there and I always just have a look at the photography books out of interest. And um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of street stuff in there. Like, you you know, there's a, a vast amount actually of like, le- a few, it's like maybe Learn Street or like, you know, a little bit of that, but a lot of them are just photo books from obviously some of the greats and this is obviously a reasonably big because this is quite small waterstones you know there's not many like wedding books in there or many you know there's a few fashiony things but yeah a lot of it is sort of street photography and the everyday stuff and so I think there is a a lot of interest in people who aren't even professional photographers or who aren't you know there's a lot of I guess because we're very much or me at least very much in the wedding industry that you forget sometimes about the vast amount of people out there who like taking photos you know whether it's say just traveling or on the streets or everyday life that's actually away from that have that no interest in weddings and yeah it's probably a very big market for that I guess
1: yeah I think it's an an area that I mean I'll cover this by workshop but the first photo ever taken that included a person and this was in Paris um was was a street photo and I think there's this interesting thing with street photography that it does over time the value kind of increases because you know things change and it's just it's something that really happened. It's something that I find interesting with seeing now, you know, A.I.R. and stuff coming through. And, you know, I don't have any major issues with AI art. I've seen some really interesting and stuff and creative things. Um, but it's, you know, when more and more stuff comes something about streets, it's something that really happened. And when you're looking through these books and you see these really complex situations, especially when, you know, they were like taken on film in the 80s and 90s, it just kind of blows your mind and is kind of really inspiring as well. And the other nice thing about street is, I always find it really weird saying like people say, "Oh, so you're street photographer." I'm like, "Well, yeah, but anyone can be. It's not like you know, weddings where you know you need someone to pay you to go to the wedding, and then you're like a wedding photographer. People don't pay you to do street. Any anyone can go out with a with a camera or even the camera on your phone and start taking photos, and that's street photography. And so I think there's something really nice about that. And I've one thing that I've really found with it is is it really puts, for me, it kind of puts me in a meditative state. It's like, I went out yesterday because I was just feeling like kind of really stressed, bit of a while on with things. And so I just went out, went up to London for a few hours and just wandered the streets. And it was just so nice to clear my mind because when I'm out there, You know you you don't have a plan you can just walk and you start just listening to your senses you're like oh there's some interesting light over there or is that like a music or party going on or something i'm gonna wander up that way or everyone seems to be heading this way there's an interesting smell coming from over here let's go wander and see what's going on but you just it brings you fully into the
0: moment uh which is just mentally a really nice place to be like going for a run isn't it i guess things like that like just getting out and just yeah just like yeah, it's just very interesting. It's funny what you say about like not going on your phone as much now, or whatever. Because like yeah, as soon as you get in the train, I'm like headphones on, like busy and not like looking around as much. And just, but yeah, just people are like, interesting, aren't they? Everyday life is interesting. And yes, okay, more so down the line, I guess. But it's still interesting now, just seeing how people interact. And so yeah, it's uh, it's good. But yeah, the um one I had to look it up there because I, I was trying to remember because I wrote it down in my phone. Because it one of the books I was sort of flicking through. It was called Where Children Sleep. And um, it was by, I've never heard of him, but guy, a guy called James Mollison, one of the Hoxton Mini Press published books. And uh, it was really, really nice, like very nice, um, I love like an embossed cover and stuff. And uh, But anyway, that that's not related to the photos, but it stood out to me, the books I flicked through and it's just literally like a picture of a child with his bedroom and it's like from 30 odd different countries. So like, you know, a Russian child and a Chinese child and like a British child and like so like so vastly different like environments their bedrooms it's like the weirdest book but like so so interesting so uh and it's not street photography related but yeah just just that so many different like things to look at that you can take sort of inspiration from and just find interesting um i guess especially when and you I travel because imagine- the vietnam stuff so obviously the photos are gonna be very it's very different i guess the streets in vietnam compared to like say london or you mentioned cornwall maybe doing one there with alan law and that again I'm, I'm, i imagine will be very different to what you might capture in say obviously london and things like that or leeds so yeah, it's just in, very just interesting, isn't it? I don't know. I just find it very interesting.
1: Yeah, there's there's this. I I have this in most so with the overseas ones, is that, and it's very natural. It's like when you see something interesting, you almost like you get hit by the feeling. This is really interesting, and the more interesting it is, the less you think about light composition because you just like, oh this is, I don't need, I just need take a photo, and then when you look back at it, it's like oh that's not really. And I have this like when we were in London, something really interesting happens, people just forget and just start just clicking and taking it. And that's something, you know, because street photography is very much about capturing the order extraordinary in the ordinary, you learn that skill. And so one is the benefit is that yeah, you can take amazing stuff where no one else is seeing everything. But then you can imagine then taking that skill and taking it to where there is really interesting thing and remembering those rules, and you're just going to make that stuff pop so much more. That works for like, yeah, if you're wanting photographer for, for, for weddings when you're traveling um and just you just yeah you just kept you just everything's going to be like more
0: more impactful yeah i feel like, again i feel like i've <laughs> changed thoughts i know no, it's pretty, absolutely like 100 percent agree. Right. There. <laughs> the, the, um, yeah i just find me really, like you say because i i think i first did that when i when like say i the first time we went out shooting on that the the street day and I was kind of. Getting, I think you came up to me on the first time we did like little one-on-one chat, and you were like, "Okay, like how's it going?" So I was like, "You know, I don't, I don't know really. Like, I, I, I don't feel like I'm getting anything on." You, and you said, "Like, well, I've been noticing you kind of walking around a lot, and you're like, you know, you kind of, oh, that maybe that's interesting. I follow that a bit, or this is it, and just kind of not, you know, you're like actually just take a moment, like look around, think about things. What's static? What can you use? You know, is not going to change. What can you use, and then build, bring other elements into it, and just little advice like that was really, really interesting, and then. You kind of like I say you just get more, and yeah, I could go to Vietnam and just take tons of ra- you know random photos. And for anyone else, it'll be interesting regardless, just because it's oh, it's cool, it's Vietnam. But like I say, when you can bring that together with light and composition, and like you know even just the little things that we don't think about that kind of maybe come naturally as photographers, and not so to other people. Like say, having space between people and having the cleaner backgrounds and all that kind of stuff that you talk about is you know just makes and then that becomes like I say a an amazing photo I guess rather than like say a travel snap if you will I guess it's like then like yeah. a purposeful photo and yeah that'd be uh, I'm sure it'd be absolutely amazing and I just want to cause I, I just want to because I don't think we've quite covered
1: it and I just for anyone I just want to give like my top tip for people wanting to try street photography sure um you know obviously if you want to come to the it's great but like yeah you can just go and, and you can go and, and do this and just get out and see the world and I think you know one of the top tips which you know we covered in the workshop is this uh this approach called fishing and this is really good because this two of the biggest challenges people have is they um it's you know we talk about you know the fear of shooting in public and that's where you know your approach matters makes you approachable my rule thumb is someone notice you makes eye contact just smile uh most people just don't notice you people do just kind of wander off and those people that do uh come in or curious start conversations it leads to fascinating I've had so many interesting conversations with people like around the world that I would never have spoken to before uh but yeah the top tip so fishing um and also so the other thing I helps you with is when you're feeling overwhelmed because the street is you've got so much moving around so much changing it's hard to track it and the fishing technique is basically that rather than walking around is just to kind of pick one spot that you like it might have an interesting background Um, some nice light you know there's people coming through and just stay there let your subjects come to you what happens then is that now it's only people changing it's not like the environment and everything else changing and everything it's weird it's like everything starts to slow down and you start to notice more but also it works really well and that's what helps with your feeling overwhelmed but then with the fear of shooting people's proximity what's nice there is that you're not going up to people. People are coming past you, like they're coming into your shot. People will come like really close, go past. It's really good at getting used to being people's proximity. But also, if anyone does come and notice what you're doing, if you, they're going to say anything, normally it's like oh, sorry for getting in your shot, and that's pretty much it. So it's a really good kind of um, practicing point for someone wants to start fi- uh, first time is go somewhere. Busier places are easier touristy places are the easiest places to shoot because everyone's got a camera everyone's staring at stuff you can get really close and no one really notices you at all um but yeah busy quiet towns is harder but busier places try that fishing technique it makes things a lot easier and yeah the other thing I just want to share is that one of the great things about this approach not only are you doing things with respect which i think is just important to respect people always respect your subjects and not only you're doing it that way and you're gonna not have to deal with confrontation but where most people will just not care and you know go away when you do you can sometimes have conversations that lead to really interesting experiences i mean just talking about um yeah vietnam like when i was last in hanoi i was out one morning and there was like on this big street there's this like marquee set up on literally in the main like like street in the old quarter uh and there's some people chilling around these old guys like with um you know having like smoke having a snack and some tea and they basically it turned out they invited me because i was taking a few photos to see and then they invited me to join them and gave me some tea and this they basically spoke in english i could say like two words in vietnamese but kind of with gestures like a bit shiraz we like you know communicate a bit and it turned out that they one of his daughter do- well, one of the guys his daughter was getting married later that day and they'd come and set up the marquee and they'd just been set up. So now they're having a little break. Um, and they even inv- invited me and, and Karina, who was, uh, wasn't was out with me at this point, to come in that afternoon to come join them and say hi to, you know, come see, the, you know, join the wedding. Unfortunately, we had a bus heading out of town that, that rammed day, so we couldn't do it. But, you know, you have these amazing things. been in Colombia where it was raining and this lady just invited us, like six of us, like, into her... Um, into a home and was started giving us like these little glasses of cold red wine um and you know just chatting as we wait for the rain to pass um and i mean i got for ages with these kind of things but it's i think a really nice way to connect with people and you know the camera can be a great icebreaker and so it's, it just leads to yeah like kind of cool conversations as well
0: yeah definitely so so many fascinating people i guess isn't there and... I say just the ordinary people have, you know, interesting stories and things going on. So yeah, it's amazing. mate. So I I just want to finish very briefly on. So you talked about obviously being bad at wedding marketing recently and you know, you've launched this new business. Now suddenly you've got, you know, two Instagram accounts and two websites and you know, two different markets really where you've got the couples and then now photographers or people with interest in photography to come on street workshops. So there's different marketing channels and needs and so on. Like, Obviously, I've sort of been through that as well in the last year with having taken over photographers, keeping it real and then, you know, also having the wedding stuff and so trying to juggle both of those. And we were talking about like, you know, having a bit of downtime in December, January, where a lot of photographers may start like, okay, we've edited all, you know, get through your editing backlog, then you can have a bit of downtime. But then that's, you know, obviously generally a good time to market to photographers Then suddenly, you know, you're busy with that. So. Do you want to like talk briefly about like juggling those things and like maybe some of the challenges? I know there's a lot of people who are maybe considering starting their own workshops, whether it's weddings or something completely different or, you know, doing some kind of marketing towards photographers, especially, I guess, if weddings are down slightly next year, then that's the perfect time for people to try and sort of, you know, another little income from things like workshops. But, um, but yeah, there's quite a lot to consider with it, I guess, isn't there, in terms of like, yeah, actually starting something and running it and and trying to make a success of two businesses now, I guess yeah yeah. <laughs> that's yeah that's it yeah <laughs> it's, it's tough <laughs> yeah it is a lot um
1: i was gonna i'll, I'll go into the juggling bit um i don't have the best person to ask about that but I'll, i could definitely share my experience but I also just like just the note of like yeah setting up a new uh, it can be a new business or yeah you maybe do workshops talk or something or you know you're doing weddings still so i want to do some family stuff i want to do proposals you ever the most important thing with all these things is knowing your audience is like really it and like really break it down into who these people are what their needs are um really picture them like when you're putting and that goes into how you how you decide to market like i i talked you know all about with, with um using seo for uh weddings and i barely ever use social media however with the workshops i'm actually using instagram quite a lot because it's a very different type of product, service, and audience. With that one, there is I see more of advantage of building engagement, building a community. You know, the idea of people come to these things multiple times, other than like weddings, where people often are going to come for it just just once. And someone's like, okay, this is what I need. I'm going to go in. I'm going to find something, pick it, and then not really search in this area again. So. You know but also even how you know text on your website photos you show you know whenever you select those you should be picturing that person always having them next to your computer and thinking what would they react to this which one's going to work best so audiences and you know how I audience as I mentioned my weddings and my proposals that's on the same website but it's it's all it's 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 a different target that needs a different the there so yeah I really like you know thinking about the, the audience um really important um juggling uh always uh give yourself more time than you think you're gonna need. I think you know, we actually got we were talking about this earlier, that it's not just the case like if you were to set up a new business, just double the work, but even choosing where to put your time in, focusing that it uses up energy and time before you've actually even done any activities to help it. Um and be realistic, like. I, I was not, I mean, yeah, launching a new business in peak wedding season is maybe not my racist of ideas. Um, and it has been a lot. And I think, you know, making sure that, and sometimes it's like, okay, these, these are what has to happen and these are like what I want to happen. And then, you know, what things can you take back? Because, you know, making sure you're looking after yourself, getting enough sleep exercising, you know, time with your, you know, with your partner, with your family, these things are all important. And if you push it for too long, like we can, I think we have the capability to kind of push for a, I mean, for me, I think it's a few weeks, but it catches up with you. And then, so you do need to just make sure that you, I think being realistic with that. Um, and also flexible um, when you're doing something new, it's there's things that are going to happen that you weren't expecting, like plan, 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 but then be flexible and yeah that's okay so i don't know how helpful that all is but yeah that that's kind of been my experiences over the last few months trying to yeah run both both of these
0: yeah and i think it's really useful because the, the focusing thing is interesting like say you kind of pick a bit of time to be like right i'm gonna yeah solely focus on this business Say, or you know i'm just launching this so this needs a lot of time and attention now try and plan when that time might be so it doesn't clash too much with like say and you've got clients hounding you for wedding photos for example or like you're shooting a lot and it's harder to to have that time so um I know I've tried to be better like with the awards and stuff knowing that like okay this is when they're going to close so have I got that time then to get you know the results ready and and, and things like that it's not going to clash with when I've got weddings and stuff so yeah there's lots of things to kind of focus on but, um, but yeah it's interesting but yeah it's not always as easy as it might seem just to like knock a website together and that's that but yeah. Um, but yeah, like obviously all the best of luck with it. And I, I loved it. I hope, like say, if, if anyone's got interest, I would definitely recommend one of Matt's street courses or just, you know, just check out his website. You know, it's not up to date, the work is still amazing on there, even if it's old. So um, go and uh, have a look at your wedding stuff, Matt. And um, I know you've been very active over your time in the photography community, going to conferences, stuff like that. Do you recommend those kind of events and communities in general, especially to newer photographers?
1: So I left my job in January, went full time. And I realized I'd still not met a single wedding photographer, which probably would be kind of useful. And I started looking around and it was at the time I was very lucky. It was that year that uh, Nine Dots launched their first workshop and Snap also launched uh, for the first time as well. And so that February, I got to go along to Nine Dots workshop. They then announced after that the first gathering later that year, which I attended. And this I knew it was going to be beneficial It was worth investing in, but I didn't know how beneficial it was. And my lesson there was that one, I'd much rather invest in education myself than gear. So my gear, people might be kind of scared what level my gear was for those first couple of years. And instead I went to, I think I was going to like six to eight workshops or conferences each year for my first three years. And it was also the community and element like, just having people that understood you know what you were going through being able to share that with them when I left my my corporate job everyone was telling me it was the biggest mistake that you've got this like really hard to get job and you know financially secure why are you going to get out to go take photos and then as soon as I started meeting other people it was like oh that's amazing you've done that and it's so cool and they got it and that was just such amazing kind of mind reset. And so I think, you know, one of the biggest advice to people is like, yeah, go and invest in those communities. There's amazing ones out there, you know, Snap still going. Uh, Amy's doing amazing stuff for that these days. Rather and Andy with Nine Dots, you know, we were just up there in Leeds. they do just fantastic things. Um, these days, you've also got Doc Day. Us, I don't know if you've uh, met like Kevin and Nanny set up Doc Day, but they're like two of the just most generally nicest people I've ever met and they're doing that's over in Dublin um actually I think they've got a few they sell out pretty much every year and I think they might have a few places left it's yeah in, they've gone uh, bigger the- they've
0: gone bigger this year I think haven't they with the venues they've got like more availability you're doing some street stuff there right like the day before I guess that's all sold out but so if people are who are on the going to dock day you can kind of add that on don't they there's like a little a thing if they want to do some street or whatever which I'm sure will be really interesting
1: yeah, exactly. Like they've Kevin's always. I mean, it's amazing. Like it's very organic. Like he's they've grown it each year, but it's very much been based on demand. I think it even started off like, and I might get this wrong, but I think it started off like it was with because it's this kind of like um I don't know what, to, but it's like in partnership with uh, this is reportage as well, um and I think it started off when like yeah Alan was doing these like you know Christmas parties. which just had a great one in London earlier this week, and he just gets you know again it's great to mix with people in the community um and i think like yeah kim wanted him to come and do one in dublin and then he came over but then they i think they did like turn it into a bit more talk and then it kind of so it then grew into this thing so it was very it's always been very organic and as you mentioned like when he started to people talking about street photography he was like yeah what we can do so you start putting on these street walks i've been doing with him the last few years and that's completely free like you have to sign up and yeah, i think unfortunately it is it is uh, fully um uh fully uh, like yes yeah, full now Um, but he's always been really big on adding on these values and what people are excited about and it's just yeah it's fantastic but honestly like yeah if you list this like and you haven't already and you know and you know this well Scott like what you've been doing with the community as well Um, so yeah if people yeah it's it's, I think the biggest investment I've made uh, I mean I also met my wife through through wedding photography as well so like I'm not saying for that reason but like, <laughs> it's just so many great people out there and it's just and and education and content and it's like um yeah that's definitely been some of the best investments in my business
0: yeah it's been massive for me last year or two because i i think when i first started i did a few like one day workshop type things but not you know weren't these kind of community focused things like nine dots and, and snap and stuff and yeah i didn't even really know that was a thing until like even just a few years ago i think i was kind of oblivious to it and the but yeah, so I went to the Gathering this year, I went last year, I went to Snap earlier this year um, with Amy and stuff, the first one, she's done the big one, which is really, really good. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, like I say, they're just a huge, aren't they? and Doc Day's, like it keeps clashing with, um, Sarah's got like uni stuff on and things like that, so I've never been able to get there yet, but um, every year, as soon as they announce it, I kind of look at the dates and see if I can go, so I'm hopefully um, 2025 or whatever, I'll be able to get there, but yeah, they're obviously doing an amazing job over there with that, and yeah, they're just like I said, I think even just having those fallbacks, especially during like say the pandemic and things like that, like having those just online communities, people to chat to like they, you know, they're invaluable and the education size obviously is great as well. But um, but yeah, like I said, just a lot of these friendships and relationships and whatever comes out of it and having support from people who know what you're going through as well. Like, you know, if you're having a tough year for bookings, like people might not get that or like say people who work in the commercial space or have like a normal job, I guess, you know, don't always get the self-employed thing it's kind of a difficult you know understanding so like I do a little bit of co-working now and stuff and then even Sarah my wife she was like why like it takes like 20 minutes to drive there 20 minutes back you're like surely you don't work as much because you're chit-chatting and like how is that surely you're better off just being at home it's like yeah but it's only one day a month and like I'm in the office at home a lot on my own and you know having that spirit and like they're like not there's a couple of photographers but a lot of them are just artists and you know graphic designers and other random random like self-employed people but um but yeah, it's just it's very invaluable and like yeah, the all that stuff's been really, really useful. But uh, yeah and they're doing some sort it's of ice like, ice dip, swimming the sea or something at Dock Day next year as well, has added some kind of jump in the ice. I don't know, it's gonna be sounds cold, whatever it is, but um I'm sure it'll be very fun. But yeah, seems yeah, that's to be, that's,
1: uh, that's uh, Jay. Jay, who's just this like amazing. Irish guy. He does he does uh, he often does a talk Dock Day tours, yeah. And it's like just this inspirational just yeah, brilliant, brilliant guy. And he um but he does the Isis Unfortunately they yeah, they clash with the, the street walks we do the day before. I, I even looked into logistics before because I I love, you know, I've I've done a yeah, I just love the idea of that. I think it's just amazing that cold. Like I I sometimes like um in this old other area with like ADHD stuff, but like um and the fact we've had the country's been out of medication for the last two months. So I've had to find a lot more other things to do. And one thing I've heard that's works well is a cold shower, <laughs> which is horrible. <laughs> but it's amazing how it wakes up your mind and just like, yeah. So like, um yeah, so I would love, I would love to go and do that, but unfortunately yeah, it clashes.
0: Yeah. You can't quite fit in a quick dip and then go out and shoot your street, even in a big towel or anything though. <laughs> yeah. What's that thing that was on TV There was like Wim Hof challenge thing. Did you see any of that? I think it was like celebrities. And then they went with that crazy guy, Wim Hof and like, yeah, jumped in ice and stuff. It was like a, if it's reality tv or game show quite what it was but yeah that was like a. so he was talking about yeah the benefits of like say of the cold water and ice and stuff on your body and things like that and yeah
1: i haven't heard of it but yeah i i've been starting to experience it's it's not nice but it's it's, (laughs) it's really really like yeah quite impactful
0: you've mentioned adhd a couple of times there obviously the I wasn't even aware that there was a shortage of medication, but that's obviously must be a tricky thing to juggle. And I guess if you're if if people with ADHD are used to taking medication to manage that, suddenly you can't. I guess there's stuff there, and it, you know, and you said you were just recently diagnosed. I know there's a few other photographers, at least that I've seen online who have shared that they sort of suspected they might have something like ADHD, but obviously never it sort of went undiagnosed for years. And having that. Like getting diag, you know, diagnosed has really opened up their eyes because they can now research it a bit. And does that, does it help having an official diagno, diag, wait, diagnostic diagnosis? Yeah, I, diagnosis. I,
1: I, I <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I tell you, it was really interesting when I, um, yeah, when I first got diagnosed, and I, you know, and I thought, I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm happy talking about this to people, and so I started telling people, and the reaction I often got was, oh, I'm so sorry and like i've been diagnosed with cancer or something and (laughs) i'm like no no not at all this is like one of the best things that ever happened to me because with a lot of these um you know kind of uh you know mental mental conditions is you've had them all your life and that's one reason often they don't get noticed is because it's not like if you you know something physical that is something changes you're comparing it to your past you're like well this is different something's happening If you've had the same, like, you know, the way your mind works the whole time, you have nothing to compare it to. And so when I got my diagnosis, I suddenly could start understanding. I could start, there was two parts to it. One was understanding and one was being able to do things that actually helped me manage it. But the understanding in itself was massive because I could look back. And one thing that often happens with people with ADHD, you become very self-critical because you, you you compare yourself to other people what they're doing and some things you can do really well like it's not all bad like there's certain things that that with ag you can do really well like if you've got like you're trying to make um if you're trying to do something with lots of different points like problem solve uh your mind can go into high gear and you can kind of like uh hyper focus and you can be really good and really useful but it can also make some things that seem very easy to other people very difficult and i think for me you know so you end up saying why can't I do this? Why is this so much more difficult? And then you are getting very self-critical and also the way it issues your mind, it can then kind of spiral and it can and it can be it can be quite damaging. And so just knowing and understanding and looking back and thinking, well actually when I was comparing myself to these people, that's not I was not on the same playing field It's massively just therapeutic looking back. So that's fantastic. But then you can also do things to then help manage it um you know there are uh, medication as an option but you don't have to take medication just things like learning how important exercise is uh I've had to go back to because yeah unfortunately the UK has been out for nearly two months now um and what was really kind of quite difficult with that as well is that there's no warning so a lot of time, you know most people went to top up their meds and no we haven't got any back in two weeks another two weeks it's now been two months and still don't know when we're going to get it back. And that was difficult because you build up as you grow up a lot of coping mechanisms, which use up a lot of energy. And then when you got the meds, which ultimately like a lot of people think they really dulled you down. If you get the wrong dosage, they can. But if you get the right dosage, Ultimately, it just gives you the freedom to be you more, like more of you, which is like amazing. Like it just allows you to choose where you, what you want to think of rather your mind just like kind of always putting you away to different things. And so when that, but when that, when the sunny that cut off, a lot of those masking things kind of went away. So you've got to kind of train them back up. So that has, that has been tough, but you know, I've been using other things like trying to really exercise every morning, uh, using coffee tactfully, the cold showers, um, being aware of alcohol um things like that so that has really helped but I I think it's also made me really explore a lot I've been very interested in exploring different like kind of men, med, med, um, uh, kind of mental conditions uh even I been I've been in you having therapy last few years and it's amazing to learn a lot about myself but also realizing that you know this idea that we're like normal like everything's kind of made towards the normal but there's so many few people on that normal line we're kind of spread out we all work differently we all our minds are different like and just uh i remember like yeah, when leads you had angela did that amazing talk and it was about your mind and being different but also the way she presented it Ooh, she presented it very much like how adhd mind works and so like for me it was when my favorite talk just from i'm like yes this is how i like to digest information and like helen as well um and uh yeah it's but i think just 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 recognition understanding how your mind works and especially as self-employed people we have so much power to shape the environment around us to work towards that is is so useful so i definitely think you know if people are out there and they think they I have to think it's worth getting checked out sadly the nhs is like crazy waiting times now there's private it's expensive but even just going and reading and learning a little bit about it because also a lot of these things they're not they're like a scale so like you might even have bits of things and it just might be only helping to understand yourself a little better this is also very a lot more common in creatives and self-employed people but also like yes helping to understand yourself a bit better but then also like just shaping some things around you so that you can make these things more manageable and I say it's not it's not all bad um but then you know you can match to like you help manage the more difficult bits more and then met, put yourself in position to use the really good bits that is one thing I'm off my next I'm I do, I do scatter a lot more and the the TRI party the other night <laughs> I was like, my wife told like full ADHD mode. So if I was cutting
0: people off and talking a lot about really random things, um, apologies. <laughs> I'm sure it was uh, it's absolutely fine. But yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? You say because I didn't know. I don't know if it's just like say a coincidence that that more people are now trying to uh, trying to you know. Uh, getting diagnosed with things like ADHD or whether it's just the people I follow or how it works, but it definitely seems to be a high percentage of those in like say photographers, creative industry, self-employed people that, and I think maybe they're just drawn to like say that flexibility of those kind of jobs or the creativity of those jobs more so than like a sort of nine to five office job that maybe means there's a higher percentage that have ADHD or similar, you know, similar I sort think, of, I you think, know, disorders. I think, yeah, the
1: design. office, said a lot of education office jobs that structure, towards the normals when you're not normal it's harder in those environments I think diagnosis increases has been a big part with the pandemic because I think the pandemic put a lot of strain on people mentally and so a lot of people kind of like it it became more more pronounced and and maybe struggled more and but also it kind of gave people more time time with their partners at home and it was so for me it was it was Karina my wife who noticed and yeah kind of made me like not maybe i like to <laughs> but like mm-hmm. kind of made me kind of be aware of it and then kind of look into it and then i went and got yeah but like professionally diagnosed um so it's it's that has you know yeah it, it again i've lost my train of thought so but but yeah yeah it makes a <laughs> lot of sense value so. and and as you oh yeah as you're saying like i think people it is something that in the past we haven't talked about it's almost connected with this area of shame or weakness or but it, I don't see why it should be considered anything different than physical health, you know, physical elements. And like a lot of physical stuff, it means to to kind of help you with it. It means diagnosis, um, you know, identifying what's happening. And then it means treatment and time. And that with a lot of mental um, conditions are very much the same. And I think what's great is that more and more people talk about it, and normalizes the, the talking about it um yeah people even at the nine dots came and we had some like conversations around these things and you know people tell me they never really actually even spoken to people about it before so i think that's that can only
0: be a good thing i know like we um you know we talked about snap and amy and stuff there's like she shared a lot of content about this kind of you know adhd and autism and things and and obviously how that relates like communities and if you you know you're organizing like say these big get-togethers like we've obviously both just been at the nine dots gathering um in november and um you know that environment is overwhelming if you're quite new to it maybe and i know i've spoke to people before who are like i don't want to go because i've heard you know obviously it's this massive party and there's loads of people and it's for them for anyone you know obviously some people in general but you know if you're like on the autism spectrum or you've maybe got agg or whatever like sometimes social interactions and those social things are difficult and it really puts people off and so you kind of like the more people talk about it then you're right it becomes more of awareness to people who run these kind of things in communities and can maybe they're more open to it. And I know Amy at Snap does a lot where she's kind of make sure there's quiet spaces available and there's these other options as, as, as well. And um, so, yeah, it's a huge thing that it's funny enough, like it just wasn't really talked about when we were at school in the same way. And obviously it depends how old you are, I guess. And hopefully I think that's changing a little bit now. And it's not just like, oh, he's just naughty or she's just naughty. It's like there's other, oh, maybe it's ADHD. Maybe there's other things, you know, the, I think they're, they are diagnosing kids a little bit sooner now than, sort of we were like a misgeneration almost with stuff like that it wasn't really like say even even now it's a bit of a taboo to talk about mental health right and things like that and whereas you know so when you think because it's talked about a million times more than it you it was 20 years ago but um but yeah it's still not like i say an everyday thing where you sort of can talk about it and like say oh i've got diagnosed with ADHD. and everyone's like oh i'm sorry to hear that like you know that's terrible or whatever and you're like well no it's not yeah, I'm not dying. It's like, it's uh, just, uh, you know, it's uh, it can be, like I say, it's positive to know where, you know, what's going on in your brain, I guess. And the study of the brain, and you know, I know, um, obviously I'm not a doctor. I'm very uh, far from being a doctor. But, um, but yeah, I know there was, a, I was watching something on the BBC and where they were kind of talking about how little we even know still about the brain, considering, you know, how much we do know, it's still a very small percentage compared to the rest of the body. Um, so yeah, it's just very, very interesting. But, um, but yeah.
1: Definitely. And uh, yeah, Amy's doing fantastic stuff um, with sharing her own experiences. But as you say, kind of like listening to people, their challenges and creating that environment, which is, you know, amazing um, and brave. And it takes, you know, it takes time and energy. And so I think it's amazing people do this. Um, And I think, you know, what you were saying, yeah, about being, you mentioned your your wife and how she felt about something. And it's what I've learned as well. Like, I've you know, this in in this kind of like, yeah, looking into these different conditions, how things are and how people react in certain ways is, actually people are very uh like kind of logical in the way they respond to things and so when you have an environment where you're like well that's a massive overreaction or you know that doesn't make any sense it's because there's a lack of understanding there and it can be you know this isn't just of not understanding that but that person doesn't even understand often where it comes from but when you understand there is there, there is a reason for that it does come from different places and that can be either um conditions it can be past traumas you know that's a and that's a whole another area but often you know when we've had past traumas as a child there's something that can trigger that in the in the present and then it looks like we're overreacting to what's happening in the present but actually we're, we're reacting to something that's linked to it in the past um and that, i mean that's a whole other now there but it's just i think the more as you said there's so much to understand but the more we can understand about ourselves um just yeah the the, the happier life we can build for ourselves and those around us
0: yeah it's a really good point well I'm glad, I'm glad we could talk about it i think it's uh like you say it's nice to sort of try and normalize these things and try and just talk more about them and you know more people who hear it i guess like I say it just becomes more of an everyday day thing so yeah glad we could talk about it so yeah thanks thanks mate appreciate your uh openness and time with it yeah no, i'm happy to uh, i'll link to everything below obviously so all your instagrams and websites and yeah go and check out the latest courses and um and and what's available but yeah i really appreciate your time mate and uh, i know we've chatted on a lot there a lot of random tangents and jumping around over the place but i've covered all the bullet points i'd written down so hopefully um i think there's a lot of good stuff in there so hopefully people are, have sort of taken something from that but um but yeah have uh I won't say have a good Christmas because this will come out. It'll be after Christmas. So I hope you had a good Christmas, if, uh, <laughs> even though it's not been yet. But, um, but yeah, no, appreciate your time.
1: Thanks. Yeah, thanks a lot, Scott. Been. really nice chatting with you. Uh, yeah, I love what you're doing with all this. And, um, yeah, man, really honored to be on. Yeah, be nice on.
0: No worries. Thanks a lot, mate. Have a good one. Thanks, you too. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast show. We hope that you did on top and go Oh, halfway through the episode. We hope that you'll join us next time. That would be mighty fine. We love you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.